This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Another sad one. A third one in a row has been a sad one. Ducks fall to the Chicago Blackhawks. Three to one, empty netter there to re- to seal the deal or wrap it up. As I was going to say, with Brendan Saad scoring there, uh, we got everyone live tonight. Eddie and Jay join us here. Hey, yeah, and we're uh, apparently live, hopefully on uh, YouTube. But nobody will ever know because it's probably set to private or we screwed it up or something <laughs> bad happened with this one. I said it's a public, so let's hope that it's public <laughs> and people are there. Yeah. I don't know. We could smash them our faces, uh, man. So a sad night or a sod night, would you say? Oh, oh that was oh, uh, ooh, very on. Anaheim Ducks media there. <laughs> very much media there. They love saying stuff he's, like He's that. had a couple today. Allers did that made me want to punch him again. <laughs> he's, such a, he's such a punchable guy. Yeah. He's a very punchable uh, man. Oh, yeah. He said hit him off the mind again. Oh, we go all day on this one. And then they talked about it, too. Like, how many times has Gibby been hit in the head? Yeah. In the mind. <laughs> in the mind. So I kind of feel like... Uh, we're just a broken record right now, right? It's a good thing we didn't do like a full post game show the last two because of our watch party, and then we were at the Korea game. Eddie and I did the what we thought was going to be a quick one hour um, <laughs> talk about Paul Korea. I had a bunch of questions, but that game was atrocious. Um, taking a look at the stat lines here and looking at uh, all of the analytics, as everyone likes to hate, um, the Ducks <laughs> didn't do well on either side of things here. Um, Shocker! Gibby yeah, really. standing on yeah. his head. That's the good part because that's what he's always been doing. Um, he was a bright spot there. Come top playing his 10th game of the season. So bye-bye first year of the ELC. The Ducks are sacrificing mm-hmm. that. But, I mean, how hard is it to do when the guy leads your team of points, right? Yep. Tied for assist, lead two. What are you going to do at that point? You kind of have to play the guy. Corey Crawford making an appearance. I don't know if this is his, was this his first appearance. Third. Third. Okay. I know Cam yeah. Ward had played the majority of the season so yeah. far, which I was kind of hoping he would still get a chance to get in there. But uh, Ducks did, <laughs> did not snap the two-game losing streak heading into Chicago and falling there. But let's start this off proper. Let's kick off the intro. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Hey, it's got to look real cool live on YouTube to watch us doing nothing during the intro for 38 <laughs> I, I, seconds. <laughs> I'm wondering if they can hear it on YouTube. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, think that, that would be through. stupid if they can't. Just like 38 no, seconds they of can't. silence. No, 
I just I'm looking at the chat. They couldn't hear it, so that that's fun for all of you listening on YouTube. I'm sure you enjoyed that uh, 36 seconds of silence. We Awkward just had. silence. Uh, I was trying to be quiet, drinking my beer too. I'm like, I don't want to make too much noise. <laughs> hey man, we're learning as we go. Uh, we're already joined in chat here by Gordon Bombay, Drew McCool, and Shock is all joined us here on Spreaker. I see chat. how it is, guys. I see so. you guys. Uh, you guys not coming over to YouTube for the first time. I get it. Sorry. Why would you want to look at us? Have you seen us? I mean, I don't know, man. Oh no, now his wife's gonna look at YouTube. That's not good. But uh, <laughs> let's kick off this first period. Get this underway. Um, it's. I mean. I, it's hard to generate any offense when you're sitting your ass in the box uh, eight minutes in the beginning of the game. Uh, Ducks taking a lot of unwarranted penalties, and it just felt like power play, power play, power play over and over again for Chicago. Ducks really don't get a whole lot going there. Um, and it was just it seemed like they were hemmed in their zone the entire first period. I, I don't really think they could figure anything out in, in, the, in the first 20 minutes. What about you guys? No, uh, it's kind of a continuation of the last two games before this with Vegas and Buffalo and then Chicago. And I mean, all three of them aren't that good this year. And now you've got three straight games. I mean, I thought this was going to get to 40 shots. It didn't get there. It was 38, but it might as well be. They have gone outshot in pretty much every game this season, I think. And the last two games have just been horrible. And the luck's finally caught up to them. John Gibson still played good. He still played great in this game. But it doesn't matter because now it's kind of catching up to them. And, and the first period was kind of a testament to that. They had a day off. You expected them maybe to come out and play a little bit better. They just got whooped in back-to-back games, got embarrassed a bit on uh, Korea's retirement night, and they came out flat again. Yeah, taking that many penalties that early just kills your momentum too. I mean, to take four minor penalties in that game, uh, in that first period alone, granted Chicago wasn't that great in the power play last year, and they're kind of struggling this year, but they struck on it. So it's just, it's a matter of time. You're going to be outshot that bad in a period. Let's talk about that goal for the Hawks. It's just uh, no one in front of Gibson. I kind of feel like we're, I know we're only 10 games in, but uh, he's able to stand alone, chip at a puck, actually accept the pass first and then chip at a puck. Usually on a power play sequence, you have two guys, the ducks play the, they play the four man box. So you have two guys low, two guys high. You would think somebody would be able to zero in on Brendan Saw standing in front of the net. He's not a tiny little guy like like Debrinkat uh, or Patty Kane. I don't know how he was left alone. No one was able to knock him out of the way. Able to chip it over Gibson. I don't really blame him for that at all. Just he, he can't stop everything, and yet he's coming pretty damn close. Yeah, from, from a goalie's perspective, yeah, you make that first stop, and especially if it's a shot and there's a guy you know right in front and he's making that shot, you, you hope to make that first save and then get some sort of help to either clear the dude out, tie a stick up, hopefully maybe knock the rebound away. But when it's shot in your pads, it's really difficult for a goalie to try and push it somewhere else uh, when it's in that close. So from a goalie's perspective, I know Gibson really could have used that help. I, and to me, it's Luke Shen's watching the pass. Uh, Manson's trying to clear out the front of the net, and then they all just kind of leave Brendan Saad open. And, I mean, I know somebody's going to be open on the power play. That's the nature of a 5-on-4, but you don't want to leave that guy open down low. Yeah, Brendan Saad hasn't been great, but you, no matter who it is down low in front of the net, you don't want to leave them open. And Brendan Saad not only gets to be receive the puck down there, he gets free reign to completely turn around, get one shot off, and then gather his own rebound and put it in the back of the net. I what, do you, what is John Gibson supposed to do on that play? Really, he, he can't do anything. He made the first save, and then he's left hung out to drive for the second one because Luke Shen's late turning around and pushing Saad out of the way. I mean, seven shots on goal in the first seven minutes. I guess that's what happens when you take penalties all game, or in this case, the first period. 
Um, the Ducks had their own chances, though. The power play just looked just ter- like just horrific. I don't know how else to put it. I feel like the Hawks yeah. are able to just get in the way. Um, the Ducks are trying to generate too many things from the point, and they're just not getting through. There's a lot of predictable passes going on, and it either all they always try to work it down low and try to cross crease crap to go you know, to go over to Getzloff or whoever's playing down low. I know, uh, you know, usually that's Silverberg down low too or Raquel, but uh, they never weren't able to get that cross crease pass going. And they did later in the game, and Steele was denied. But um, most of these point shots, they just they're just not effective. I mean, unless you're able to get it through the majority of the guys in front and you don't create chaos, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they keep going back to it, too. I, I don't really under. I mean, there's no setup. I think that's what it is. They get into the zone, and if they do get any kind of control, they're just trying to get to the puck, to the, to the net. And sometimes that works, but with the duck system, when you don't have anybody in front of the net to create any havoc, it doesn't really help them out. So I... I don't know. They, they keep going back to it, and they don't really have anybody. I mean, Kessler scored a goal like that the other the other night. I think it was two nights ago in front of the net where he collected a rebound. But they don't do it on a regular enough basis where it really helps them out. I don't think they have the key personnel that can stand in front and take that beating. Like, I mean, there's Kessler that can do that uh, for a long time in that past. It was Perry that would do that. And even to a lesser extent for a season, Eves was that guy. So it's it's a little tough if you don't have that that big body in front that's also got hands to put the puck in on the power play. But it just seems like, yeah, that's that's the one thing they're missing, a, a big presence in front of the goalie to create that havoc. And especially a goalie like Crawford, who is more of a blocking style, you got to take away his eyes. And if you can't take away his eyes, he's probably going to stop it. And he's really good at actually controlling those rebounds too. Well, how about that Ducks second power play unit? Uh, Auberg, Comtois, and Nick Ritchie. Wasn't that a, a beautiful oh, sight man. to see? I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing, man. Uh, who centers that line? Like, who I didn't even see who was taking faceoffs. Because uh, so I, probably, I would assume probably or... Hampus Lindholm had Ritchie on the point. <laughs> yeah, put a defense on. Him. <laughs> was Ritchie on the point? <laughs> no, I don't even know. No. I just no. saw on the front. No, I'm just. I I'm... just. I didn't even see the D pairings on that. I want to know maybe if like Raquel or Henrique or Kessler or something was or Getzlaff was manning the point because maybe they were taking the, the face up. But even if that's the case, why is Auberg on the power play? Maybe I, I can understand Comtois. I can get maybe Nick Ritchie would want to get him into the game. Why the hell is Auberg on the power play and playing with those guys? Oh, because uh, Carlisle, he had a gut feeling. His intuition really got to him. Yeah, he knew Auberg was going to have a game. Because he's fast. Yeah. You got to play fast. You got to play fast, yeah. Eddie. That's all you can do. And he's Swedish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe Randy tried to say, uh, who should I put out? And he just heard, uh, and he went out. And he just jumped over the boards. And yeah, he just jumped over the boards. Sense. That must yeah. be me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess uh, we could just talk about um, how Jonathan Tate has really turned his season around from last year, huh? I mean, honestly, that guy was all over the yeah. place. I rag on that guy for the past several years. And apparently he's been paying – um, Adam Oates to improve his game. Oates has really become a guy that's been training a lot of players. He does private sessions, video sessions. He's helping Connor McDavid with his game too. Uh, so apparently he's turning Taves' game around, and it was very noticeable. I usually you don't see Taves. I mean, as of late, I mean, you know, past three, four years, as being a dominant player. He was really dominant tonight. He walked around Lindholm today with a little uh, stop and go move at the blue line. I thought that was really impressive. Thankfully, uh, Gibby was able to make the stop there. But uh, the Ducks couldn't get out of the first period without taking another penalty. Uh, Lundestrom takes a high stick. That would put the cap at four for the first period. Ducks take the uh, 1-0, or being down 1-0 to the locker room and being outshot 16-6 to to wrap up the first. 
heading into the second period, guys, um, things honestly were not going that great again. Um, the Ducks, or that's where that's where Steele gets stopped the one timer on the power play. But now we've got to talk about no one else that we've ever heard of before, which is John Gibson again. How about that <laughs> save on Patty Kane? They said Jeez. it went off the post oh. on the broadcast. It, there's no way. Of course way. they did. There's no way it went off the post. <laughs> Kane or the replay was pissed. Sh- cl- the replay clearly shows that he gets a piece of it. He covers it. I, yeah. I don't know how many. Th- they say so many things on the broadcast, and then they it, it's clearly wrong, or they're just not watching. I, I forget. There was a play tonight where – they were mentioning, I think, if something, if it hit the post, or they were mentioning a player, and like the replay clearly shows what was happening, and they were just like, "Oh, I have no idea what was going on." But, <laughs> Why would they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, John Gibson's been doing this all year. I mean, he's been doing this every game he's played, and I, by now, we're not surprised. I think I'm just surprised that he's sustaining it. Like he's the only consistent player on this team. Yeah, and he's not injured. But if they yeah. keep this up, don't then, say that. That's go. That's... Yeah, you fucked it up now. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. I don't know if you can hear that, but that's you know th- that is my concern because when a guy has to jump around and just really bail out his defense night in night out, at some point, 40 shots a night catches up to you, and it catches up to you in the middle of the season, towards the beginning of the season. You know, it, it's just not something the Ducks really want to keep freaking testing on this guy. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not one to say that he's one of those injury prone players because I don't really believe that. I feel he's gotten a lot better. But uh, every goalie that has to do what he's doing right now, at some point, something's going to give. And I really hate to see them do that, and they've really got to help him out. Who's this Gustafson kid that was helping out Kane? I don't. I never heard of him before. Do you guys know who this I, guy I, is? I, like, he's a defenseman for the Blackhawks. I haven't really heard too much about him. I think he's no. been there for the is last couple of seasons. Cause he was he's up a defenseman. The, yeah. He was up on the play a lot with Kane because he was able to – to wire that pass over to Kane, and then Kane actually sends a pass back to him later in the second period that Gustafson rips off the crossbar. So yeah. just, I don't know, man. Kane looked like he was playing really well tonight, too. This was not a team I expected to be good. I don't think any of us did. We predicted the Hawks to be tough. But are they good? Are against they, the are Ducks. They good or are yes. the Ducks just bad? <laughs> I think the Ducks are just bad. I, I, yeah. I feel like both of these teams are kind of similar in the fact that they were coming into this. They're both above, you know, two games above the 500 mark, but they're not playing great. They're, they're just they're winning, and you're not quite sure how at the right time. Uh, Chicago seems to be finding goals, you know, in a, in a lot of bunches, but their defense and uh, to a lesser extent goaltending before uh, Crawford came back is really kind of been suspect. The Ducks are on the other end. Their goaltending has been through the, the damn roof. It's they can't get people enough people to score goals to help out that goaltending. The defense has been just lackluster. And I'm being nice about that. But both of these teams just seem like they're pretending at this point. Chicago just pretended a little bit better today. Yeah, the Ducks. Did you see that chart by Sean Tierney? Did you see that the, the chart by him that, that the Ducks? It was like overperforming, underperforming, good or bad, and the Ducks are like in the, like, the very bottom for overperforming. Way up in like, that corner. <laughs> the next highest team is like near the middle of being like sort of overperforming, but kind of like good, and the Ducks are just in the very bottom of overperforming. So That's anybody what the nine fifty goaltender does for you. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're league tops in save percentage for a reason. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the uh, Ducks players have lost a lot of money buying a lot of dinners for John Gibson already this season. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, he's just he's just saving them every single night, even in losses. These could be blowouts if it wasn't for him. Um, let's get to the highlight of the second period, though. Ducks score a goal. Ricard Raquel uh, comes out from the graveyard and is able to block a pass by Jonathan Taves. 
out of the midair, skates all the way down the ice. Taves draped all over, lifting his stick. Raquel still able to get in tight there on Crawford and lift it over the glove side. Crawford looked like he was backed away by the speed of Raquel on that play because it, I feel like he just got tucked in too close. Raquel finds room on the top shelf and buries it. Classic Ricard Raquel, right? I mean, we haven't seen this for a while. And the fact that, you know, Taves gets a pretty good stick check and he's still able to bring it back and, and shovel it top shelf, something we haven't seen pretty much all season from Raquel. So it's nice to see him finally get on the score sheet. Yeah, about that goal. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that Crawford was pushed back so much from the speed of Raquel because, like you saw, Taves actually pretty much caught up to Raquel, even though he was a full step behind. And Raquel said in the interview uh, in between periods that he, he was tired. He was kind of at the end of the shift, so he was just trying to make it down there. Uh, but uh, I think what ended up happening is Taves did a great job of trying to poke check from Raquel's uh, uh, forehand side, so he kind of went around him. And when that happened, Raquel kind of started to move to that, and I think Crawford's like, okay, well, he's not coming back. He felt the chick's, uh, a stick check, and he's not going to try and go back to forehand, and he was wrong. And Raquel noticed that Crawford moved a little bit. He moved back the other way and then roofed it. So he's it was a great back tight, check, so. but, it, yeah, it just it just threw Crawford off the, the, the back. Uh, stick check from uh, Taves didn't disrupt Raquel as much as he thought it was going to. It was his haircut. That's why he scored. You guys were <laughs> yeah. there. Oh, oh my yeah, yeah. I, heard about that. I haven't even seen the haircut. I why it. was that a story? Is like... it beautiful? <laughs> no, apparently he's got like, really I... short hair now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> had a whole story uh, about like the to... language barrier. Now he had he got a short haircut and he didn't want it. It's so ridiculous. It's so funny. That was news. Apparently, I love so. Homer that's, television. That's man. the reason. Homer <laughs> television. And it's not just the Ducks. It's across Fox no. Sports, man. It's what. Let's not talk about this other team. Let's tell a story about Ricard Raquel getting a bad haircut. It's it's typical yeah. of most Fox yeah. Sports broadcasts. They don't really break down a lot of plays. They just like, oh, let's just do the the uh, the immediate off ice interview where the guy's too gassed to you know to talk. To talk, that's, yeah. That's well, like does do. does does uh, Katie uh, Holloway, I think, was her name? Did she approve of the haircut? Oh, she mentioned twenty first stuff. Oh, she mentioned. She did. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, she likes it. No, I'm, I don't know if she did or not. Jay, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> Probably thought, did. Probably. Um, I don't know if you guys thought much <laughs> of uh, Ryan Kessler's line tonight. I felt like he looked buried every time he was on the ice uh his line didn't look great at all i i, I every time i saw him it was in the ducks defensive zone i think statistically they were one of the better lines i but i like from you looking at them playing out there they didn't look that great they didn't really do much um i, I think they limited more shot attempts than maybe some other lines but they just didn't get anything going offensively and i believe it was kessler cogliano i think lindestrom was with them tonight which yeah. When you look at it, they that's had the better of the shot line. share five on five for sure. But I, I just feel like well, they didn't generate anything on the rush. There was nothing offensive yeah. about them. You know what I mean? They should. They're the, probably the best defensive line you could ice for this team. The Kessler, Cogman, and Lindstrom. So, yeah, I'm not surprised they weren't getting any offense. And you, yeah, and you, Kess, Kessler did a good job on faceoff circle, I believe. He had a fairly good night. He won the, the big ones that kind of helped him out defensively. I mean, but that was about it. <laughs> it's just they got to get scoring from uh, from other people right now, right? I mean, they're who's been the biggest scorers in this team so far besides Maxine Comtois, Ben Street, uh, Silverberg when he's in the lineup, right? <laughs> but he's yeah. injured. Any word on him coming back? I haven't heard anything. Right? He didn't travel with the team uh, on this one, but uh, Kasha did, and so did Eves. So they seem at least a little bit closer than Silverberg. He has a fractured finger, so um, as a goal scorer, that's going to take a little bit of time to heal. I think usually it's somewhere like like four weeks or somewhere in around that time frame. So uh, they haven't really released the time he's coming back, but he didn't even travel with them. Not that it was a really long road trip they're on, but 
that, that tells you that he's, he's not really close enough yet. How yeah, does... they just put him on the IR today, too, to make room for Nick Ritchie. So, I, I mean, it doesn't mean he's out long-term. It's just an easy way to make room for Nick Ritchie without having to send anybody down. No, that's yeah. true. How disappointed were you guys that Josh Manson didn't, uh, didn't beat the brakes off at the break <sighs> at the end of that period? Dude, he was so close. He's like, kid, you don't want this. You don't want this. Even Getzloff almost fucking tore his head off. He yeah, like, dude, he's, like, he's like, that guy he's is not a, big a tiny guy. dude. Very, very small guy. Yes. <laughs> Pick your battle, son. Not yeah. against the two guys. I would love to see that. They said, what, Manson was 6'3", Getzloff 6'4". So you don't want to mess yeah. with that. I was, that was crazy. Plus, I think uh, Richie was on the ice, too. I know that he was on top of Taves at some point. Good like, luck. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mess with either one of those guys. That's not a good idea. But uh, the second period comes in here, one-one shots on goal, twenty-eight to seventeen. Nothing new there. Uh, Ducks being outshot just about every single game this season. I think what, has it been every game they're outshot, or do they have like? It's got to be close to it. I think. I so. don't. I don't remember them outshooting a single opponent ever. No. <laughs> this season, not games. this season. Twenty-eight seventeen, heading into the third period. Um, very frustrating third period to watch. If you guys watched the whole thing, I kind of zoned in and out of it. It just uh, they just couldn't get anything going <laughs> on this game at all. Hawks end up getting a goal. Kane on the slap pass from Gustafson. No chance for John Gibson. Gibson kind of looked over at the referee and pointed his stick was, was touched, but he was so far gone out of position there, I don't think it even would have mattered. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the stick that got touched. Is the, the guy who was passing in front, his stick actually got right on Gibson's mask and kind of like hit his mask. Not that it made much of a difference. He was probably dead to rights anyway, but that's the only thing at that point he could grab because uh, Gustafson sold that shot pass. I mean, that was just, if you could even think he wasn't going to shoot, you'd have to guess where he was going to pass. And at that point, you're going from one side to the other, and it's Patrick Kane shooting. Uh, You're not going to get much of a chance on that one. But the reason he got upset really quick is it seemed like the guy passing in front, his stick kind of grazed or tapped the, the front of the mask of mm. Gibson and right at the moment of the pass. So I think that's why he maybe got frustrated. But uh, even if it didn't happen, he was going to be beyond lucky, which he has been, right. uh, to even get over. Somebody asked us if he gave up on that play because Ooh. he looks like, well, he gets interfered and he kind of, I mean, he, he gets, like, he bites hard. And that that's a great pass over to Kane. No chance to really get over there, but he gets kind of distracted, I think, by what he thought maybe was Brendan Saad bumping into him and then doesn't really even move at all. He kind of watches it go in. And I mean, I'm not expecting, I mean, the only way he would even got a chance to, is if he dove across with his stick and tried to save it. So I can't blame the guy for not maybe wanting to do that in every play. It does kind of look like he was more focused on the goalie interference, though, than trying to make a spectacular save. But again, maybe. there was nothing he could have done on that anyway. Yeah, see, as a goalie, I mean, he, he got set up and then there was a moving screen right at the moment of the truth. That stick literally could have been right in his eye line, right as that shot pass happens. And it happens so quickly to the side. It literally could have just been like, OK, where the hell's the puck? Is it? And so he starts searching. He has no idea. He's not going to jump to the left just because he lost sight of the puck. So I think it was a, you know, a really good timing play where he didn't have much of a chance to see where the pass went. And so he was stuck in his feet because Gibson's not a guy who's just going to go like, ah, there it is. Nah, not going to go for that. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's going to dive over. He did that countless times in yeah. the second not period. Not with the game you know, tied either. That's a hell of a no, thing to say. All. Like, and, with the game tied, he's not giving up on a play. And you That's see how upset he was? And if he was so I'm upset, answering the question. Like, Come on. I'm, I'm, somebody Stop asked. Eddie. This is you, and this is you asking. 
So the Ducks give up a goal there. Now it's two to one at this point. Uh, I really started to focus on the other players on the Ducks roster than the main guys, the, you know, the, the big names. And one of them that really stood out for me, guys, was Lundestrom. I really felt like he had a strong game today. Um, he looks like he belongs on this team. And it's going to be really interesting because now he's played his eighth game. So he has one more available to him right before they burn a year off his contract. With Eves and Kasha on uh, the road trip, they have one more game of the road trip before they come home and play Philly on Sunday. Do you guys think maybe he sticks around? I don't think so either. I, I think after this one with him, you know, whether it's his fault or not, he didn't put up points. And at this point, I think the guys coming back are more likely to put up points and at least have the experience. So they may let him go compete over there because once those guys actually do come back, unlike Comtois, uh, I, I just don't quite think that he's going to put up the same amount of points that he would. So at this point, let him go back. Another year of development. You've already burned at least one of your contracts, so might as well. I think, too, the fact that he got moving over to the right wing this time, uh, and then you look at Eves and Silverberg both coming back, the, the left wing seems pretty much solidified now that you've got Comtois, Cogliano, uh, and uh, who am I mean, Richie back in the yeah. lineup. And then now, if, if Eves, even if Eves or Kasha come back, I think that pretty much spells the end for him, just so they don't burn that year off his entry level, and they'll play Blandisi or somebody else that they scratched today instead. Gibbons was out today as well. He can also play on the right side. As, as crappy as it is, and I think he's been one of the most surprising prospects in how complete his game is, it doesn't make sense to keep both of them up, especially when you have three right wings who are going to be starting players on this team about to come back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you, you're not going to drop one of them out of the lineup for Isaac Lindstrom, and then there's no point in really just sheltering him and putting him down on the fourth line. You might as well send him back to Sweden where he's going to be playing top minutes in an in, in almost equally competitive league and just learning and experiencing. The difference, I think, between him and Comtois is if you send Lundestrom back, he'll get something. He'll develop more. He'll, he'll get some more experience going back to the SHL where Comtois going down to the QMJHL, he's not really going to learn too much. He's just going to crush everybody there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and even if Comtois is, you know, uh, on, on the roster, it's not even an assess or you know, it's not set in stone that he's even going to stay with the big club. If he starts to falter too... Now, at this point, he can go down to the AHL and probably be a little bit better. Yeah, so is that where he's going to be forced to go at this point? Does he, is, he, the, is he only report down to San Diego? I don't know the answer to that question. For Lindstrom? No. No. Comtois. Uh, Comtois uh, can only go back to junior in the queue. Even though they burn really? here? He Even though he's in his e ALC? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he. Well, he he went. He was already in his ELC when he signed it. All it does is it burns a year a year off of it. it uh, okay, when it comes it just to resigning, yeah. doesn't matter where he plays. It's still a year's a year. That makes sense. I got yeah. a dumb question. Oh, oh, raise your hand. Okay, I did. Um, so why can't he play in the AHL? Uh, he still has more junior eligibility. So the CHL has a deal in place. To, so they don't lose their best players. So that league is still competitive and they make enough money so that they can watch good players play down there. So they have to play, I think it is, they can play four seasons uh, or until they're 20. Once they're 20, they're considering an overager and then they can play in the AHL. The, the rules are a little bit more refined by that and I'm probably missing a couple of things, but that's the, the gist of it. So Comtois, yeah. he still has, I think, at least this year, maybe an overager left of junior eligibility. So he has to go back to junior. They don't have, he doesn't have the option to go there. Because then if you had uh, a guy like Marner when he was in Toronto and they, they made the choice 
for him to stay up with the Leafs, and obviously that worked out for them. But if he had to go back to London, that's a lot of money for London. People are going to come to watch Mitch yeah. Marner play. People maybe in Drummondville are going to come to watch Maxim come to a play, or at least come to watch that team play because they're going to be better. And if every team had the choice to send their first-year prospects down to the AHL, they then that, that league wouldn't be as fun to watch. Now, for the SHL, for guys coming from Europe, it's different. They're allowed to go into junior or go into the AHL. It's just the CHL has those rules in place to keep their league competitive and people wanted to watch it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and Lundestrom made the point that if he didn't make it, he was just going to go back to Sweden, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. And the Ducks would probably want to send him there anyways. So. No, that's true. So... The uh, what we thought was all going to be the game tying goal. Ryan Kessler scores. Uh, Ducks get a power play off of Lundstrom's good work in, in the offensive zone. There gets dragged down by Marcus Kruger, goes to the box, and then uh, Kessler tips it down with a high stick. It was kind of close, but I mean, when you when you get into the replay, like yeah, no, I was probably above the bar. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, Ducks are unable to tie this game up. Sod ends up getting an empty netter there. The Ducks didn't look very potent with the extra man, honestly. Even um, after that play where Kessler apparently has scored. I mean, they could get anything set up. Getting passes broken up at the blue line. Passes don't look crisp at all. Uh, so Chicago's able to seal the deal. 38 shots to 25 Chicago. Like I said earlier, that's uh, no news here. Um, yeah. Before we get into any major, you know, end-of-game notes, I got to ask the same question I've asked, I think, for nine straight games. When the hell are we going to go back to the defensive pairings that worked last year? <sighs> I mean, when are we going to start doing that? I'm sorry. Million when are we going to start doing that? Josh Manson's just question. not been himself this year whatsoever. He looks he looks brutal at times on the ice. And I don't know if that's just his game or maybe a mix of him having to play with Cam Fowler. <laughs> wait, it, wait his game is good. brutal? It's brutal. He's just, he hasn't looked good. He just hasn't looked good at this time, uh, the first 10 games of the year. It looks like there's not that chemistry. There, there's, there's no chemistry there. Uh, about the only flashes I've seen that have been good for Manson were in this game where he got pissed. When he got pissed and he was starting to go after people, I was like, there he is. He's going to hit somebody. Hit somebody. But he never did. You know, it just it was it was just like it, he's – I don't know if he's just maybe frustrated on top of that. But, I mean, for God's sakes, put them back together already. Him and Lindholm – make it work and this whole experiment that's gone on now with nine nine games is just it's not there it's not working you cut, cut the cord yeah jimmy said in our chat to be too much it made too much sense to put them back together <laughs> and that's why they're not doing it i mean fowler and manson were awful tonight i think they're on their, the very wrong end of high danger chances against they're on the wrong end of scoring chances for the worst pairing on the ducks defense for both of those they just were not good. They didn't look good. Manson, again, is not engaging physically. He's looked bad pretty much all season. Cam Fowler's right behind him and not really looking good at all pretty much for the entire year. Lindholm and Wanter have at least had their games and have done somewhat okay for the most part. They haven't been amazing, but they've done all right. I don't know why you would not maybe split. Like, it's better to – it's not good to have one good pairing and two bad pairings when you know what worked before was Lindholm and Manson and Fowler and Montour. Now you've lost three in a row. You've got to go back to it, right? Like, how do you continue this? How do you continue this madness? And it's not going to help, but at least try it. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is I'm wondering if they're trying to do this, that same thing where they do this out outlet passing to get two forwards. And to be able to do that, you put a, a Montour on one line and a Fowler on another one and then try and make them good outlet passers to try and – make it a quicker offense and a quicker attack or a quick strike. 
but obviously it's not working. It, it's horrible in the defensive zone. Once things come back your way and they can't get it out, it's just, it's, it's bad. And they're, you know, Carlisle so quick to move forward lines around to try and find something to work. And he's just set in stone on the defensive side. You can't change anything. Can't revert back to last season. And I just, I have no idea why he's so hesitant on that side, but so willing on the offensive side. Is it a Marty Wilford thing? Maybe. Could Is that be. what's going it on the defense? Be. I mean, that's what he's in charge Maybe of. Maybe he's trying to make his mark and and prove that he knows what he's doing. I don't know. I would I guess if he is in charge of the defense, this could be his doing. I didn't really think of that. This could yeah. be him trying to get something to work. But at some point, Carlisle's got to step in and just go, it's not working. I'm a defenseman. This is what I came from. I I know this is not going to work. I didn't say good defenseman. I just said he was a defenseman. Didn't he win uh, a Norris but, trophy? Yeah, but win the 70s. Yeah, right. It's like Montreal said they have like 30 <laughs> cups. Yeah, you should when yeah. there was five teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the defense pairings don't change. It's got to at some point switch they have to be able to throw the line blender on there on the defense and mix it up i don't know what the hell they're thinking with that i mean it's not working um but i don't think the forwards are coming back and helping and i and i don't mean from what the broadcast said i mean more along the lines of like intercepting passes and being in passing lanes the ducks high slot has been exposed since game one i feel like you watch a lot of teams dallas was the one that was really able to exploit it and they really get a bunch of one-timers in the high slot just from above the face-off circles the ducks aren't making any changes there i don't know if they're not if they're not paying attention to video if i mean you figure these guys have dealt with this before at some level or some other team where this comes around and your coach has pointed out is it maybe a case of too many damn rookies on this team i don't know i don't know um I don't know. I mean, guess who we're playing next? We're back in Dallas, so that should be fun. Four in a row. I don't know if it's a case of too many rookies on this team. I think even with everybody healthy, maybe it would be marginally better, but I don't think it's going to change because we said this, I think, probably on every show this season. It's the system. The way they're playing, the system they're on, it, it really doesn't matter who you have on this roster in the lineup. I don't think much is going to change. And of course, having Eve Silverberg and Cashin is going to make a little bit of a difference. And this team might be a little bit better up front, but I don't necessarily think it's going to completely flip the script on their season. And they're going to stop getting outshot on average. I think it was 25 goals or something a couple of games ago. And that hasn't got any better. I mean, that's insane. You're getting outshot by a, a margin of 25 shots each game. Like that's ridiculous. I haven't seen that in, in a long time, especially from the ducks. And, and to say that Silverberg, Kasha and Eve's coming back is going to change that because some of the rookies are going out. I, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. Even with Silverberg being kind of a defensive forward or at least responsible, I mean uh, that guy's been putting up the goals that were needed. He's gone now. There's nothing. We're losing three one or we're losing four two. It's just we, we, we got to score more than two goals in this league. It's, it's never going to happen. But when we're hemmed in our own defensive zone, play after play, shift after shift, period after period, you're, you're doomed. I mean, at some point it's going to give and uh, you know, it should have gave a long time ago, but you got to give uh, props to Gibby. If we're going to be talking about this 70 to 80 times this season, be so I can't pissed. believe we're talking about it. Nine games in <laughs> still, it's the same <laughs> script. Every podcast has been like sort of a carbon <laughs> copy of the other one where what we're talking about post game is literally the exact same thing we talked about the one before the fact that the Ducks are getting outshot by a ridiculous margin against maybe not that great competition and just everybody hasn't looked that great except John Gibson. It's every game. It, it, it has literally been that every game. And then also why are they, they going to change the defensive pairs? Yeah. 
I don't know. It's frustrating. Let's talk about Nick Ritchie. It was his first game back, or his first game of the season, rather. Um, he had come oh. back, signed the, signed the contract, had some visa issues, and we go on from there. How would you guys feel he looked? I thought he looked pretty good. Um, he played really, actually pretty well. Uh, he fit along that, alongside Ryan Getzloff at, when he was playing out there with that times. I didn't see a reason to move him off that top line at this point. Um, what do you guys think? I think he looked okay. I, I think you look at uh, the numbers, you, if you look at what, when he was on the ice, scoring chances for, scoring chances against, even high danger chances, they were relatively even, which on the night isn't the worst because most of the guys were negative in those categories. So he looked okay. He played just over 12 minutes, which for being on the uh, – that was at five on five, so I think uh, he had some power play time. So he probably finished around 15, 16 minutes. So – an okay debut, not the greatest, but the, I mean nobody looked good at the same. Nobody can complete a passes. <laughs> yeah, so that that's the step forward. Yeah, I think he's like the only one who didn't. <laughs> I can't really say right now if he looks faster. It looks like he's in better shape. He, he didn't really get that many chances. So I guess where you could prove that uh, he had a good chance where he set up. I think it was Ricard Raquel, and and he looked good at least on that end. But didn't do anything wrong. So it's not a bad debut, but he didn't really stand out. And you're like, oh, yeah, he was really good tonight. Yeah. You guys remember um, Nick Ritchie from like the last three seasons? It looked like him, but just skinnier. So for me, it, it really there was nothing. It was the, it was the same Ritchie. He's there. He kind of makes some noise. You want to give him some props and say, oh, you, you go, kid. Uh, but it, it, once again, for me, it was somewhat underwhelming. Uh, last year was my prove it year for him in my mind and he didn't do it uh, i'm glad he worked as hard as he did um and maybe he gets a little bit better but he's gonna have to do a whole lot more if he's gonna impress me or deserves that top line minutes that he got today so um you know he, he, he didn't take a penalty but other than that he, he was kind of a ghost for me other than just a couple of times where they mentioned his name i think it's just gonna take some time to see what he's really going to be like. He's, his first game back, I didn't get a lot of rust on him. Um, they said he was, he was uh, what, going five days a week working out. He was working with Gary like Roberts. three so months. Was, yeah, yeah. For three months. He was busting his ass to get in shape. So good on him. Um, I don't care if he doesn't score right away, but I want to see some of those great opportunities for sure. He had a chance in front of the net a couple of times. Wasn't able to make it happen, but I thought overall pretty good showing for him. Um, he, he didn't look out of place, uh, which is I was kind of concerned about. I, would, I thought he's going to come back and maybe have a, little, a lot of rust and then be dropped to the third or fourth line. Do you think he was better than any of the other rookies, Comtois or Lundstrom? Because I, I thought they probably played a little bit better. Um, or about on par. No. He, he I think it was on, on, par. Yeah, I, on par. I think Lundstrom, yeah, Lundstrom yeah. defensively looked better. Um, offensively, he had a couple of chances where he shot and, and looked okay. Comtois was... Maybe a little bit absent from this game, but again, so was pretty much everybody. They couldn't get anything generated offensively. Really, like Ricard Raquel's goal, by, and maybe a couple of chances here and there, there wasn't really much going on. I think Nick Ritchie looked about on par as them. I think he had a little bit more chances offensively compared to the two. He looked a little bit more engaged at times, but that is also maybe easier He's to do the first when play. <laughs> yeah, when you're playing with Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Raquel, uh, maybe it's not you know, it's not so hard to look like you're, you're doing well when you're playing with those guys, but I don't want to knock his game. I think he played all right in this game. So I, I'm kind of excited to see what else is going to come from him. He, he's one of the only guys on this team who's not afraid to go to the front of the net at this point. So that could mean good things going forward if he continues to do that. All right. You guys want to hop into some questions here? No. Well, you're too bad. 
We got one <laughs> from Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player, of course. He says, uh, is this team's discipline the player's fault or coaching? Carlisle teams have been guilty of taking a lot of penalties. I'll blame Carlisle right away. Honestly, it's the way he's been. <laughs> he hasn't really shown me anything other than just letting his team run wild when things get crazy. Uh, case in point, uh, the San Jose Shark playoff series last year. Getzloff popping off. I mean, Perry popping off. Everyone there going nuts. Uh, you got you to be in control of your team. And I, I just don't see him having that kind of control or caring to have that. It's, the Ducks have always been the big bad Ducks until of late. But they still like taking penalties. So I blame Carlisle. I, I wouldn't necessarily blame Carlisle just because we've been through different coaches. And ever since uh, 2007, when we led uh, the NHL in fighting majors and won the Stanley Cup, ever since then, that reputation has kind of stuck. And it doesn't even matter if we change the skill or size or anything like that or what coach is in there. We're always up there as far as penalties go. I mean, we're always the differential is always high on our end. So, uh, not necessarily. I feel like it's uh, a a little bit of reputation and kind of the guys we have. I mean, if you if you put a Ryan Kessler, a Ryan Getzloff, and a Corey Perry on a team, you're you're going to get noticed a little bit more. And you're going to get a little bit more penalties. And also, if you're a little bit of slower team, you're going to start reaching and pulling and tripping. I mean, that that kind of happens, but. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's Carlisle just saying, eh, whatever you guys want to do, you guys know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a mix of both, too. I kind of agree with you there. I, I mean, even with Boudreaux, this team was built to play like the big bad boys from the West, and they're meant to be a physical team. They were meant to forecheck hard. They're, you know, that that's what they did. And when you play like that, you're going to take a lot of penalties. And and now, I mean, obviously there's the myth, or if you want to call it a true thing, the, the, the refs just hate the Ducks, and they I mean, the Ducks are always on the wrong end of oh, the, that's true. the penalty differential at the end of the season. They're usually in the bottom five for that. But I, I think, yeah, it has something to do with the players. And, of course, some of the players we have in Kessler and, and uh, Richie and, and Perry and Manson and all these guys who play on the edge and play physical. But, again, I mean, Carlisle's system isn't too much different to Boudreaux in the sense that they like to play hard and like to play physical and and. You know, when you're also like Jason said, when you're a slower team, you tend to take a lot of penalties, especially nowadays against a lot of the faster teams. So I think it's a bit of both, but I would have to lean more on coaching because it's kind of been the same for the last, well, pretty much since it was Carlisle, Boudreau, Carlisle, and it's been pretty much the same. Don't don't talk about Bruce Boudreau's teams that way. <laughs> um, they were definitely worse defensively, <laughs> but that offensive side of things, my God, they could score. Uh, the yeah. Ducks can't score. Make it for it. I, I would gladly give up the uh, the defensive chances if the Ducks are burying pucks in the back of the net, but they're not they're not tucking anything. They're they're getting out shot out played every single night. Um, yeah, Carlisle's got to go, man. Uh, his, okay. his his tenure is up. Uh, there's no way he's getting an extension here, or uh, or you know, Unless I'll, he wins I'll the pretend cup. that I'll not be a fan, but I'll still I still will. I can't make that promise. I'll still watch everything if they went 0 and 82, and then we have to do this yeah. damn show, sad and miserable all year. Mm. But. Uh, <laughs> That's not very. That's what beer's for. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) Phil and Hammy underscore me says, "How do you think Richie looked in his first game of the season?" Unfortunately, we already kind of answered that. Not spectacular, not terrible, very middle of the road, but didn't look out of place, which is what we want from Richie's first game back. I think I'm glad he wasn't a a, a bottom six guy. Benjamin asks, "Is Raquel woke now that he has his second (laughs) goal because he's been kind of invisible for most part of the season?" I've been yelling that since game two. I don't feel uh-huh. like Raquel looks anything near like himself without Ryan Getzloff. Um, he had a great game tonight. He scored the goal, and that wasn't really anything to do with Ryan Getzloff. That had everything to do with his individual effort. I wouldn't say he's woken up. I would say let's see where that goes. 
Um, he had 34 goals last year, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, so he's got yeah. two in 10. Um, the odds of him getting there aren't very good at this rate, so we'll see how he goes. But how do you guys feel about Ricardo Kell? I, I think he looked better. Um, but again, I mean, it, it, you know, what was really nice was seeing him back with Ryan Getzlaff because we talked about that last game. You need to put him with somebody who's going to get him the puck. And it didn't happen in this game, but it doesn't benefit Ryan Getzlaff playing with Street and Auberg. And it doesn't benefit Raquel not playing with Ryan Getzlaff. That, that's worked too well the last two seasons before this. Yeah, they're in a slump. The whole team's slumping. The, the system doesn't really allow them to do well. But put them together and eventually good things are going to happen. I, I think Raquel looked good. He, he made a really good play on the goal. I mean, you at least have to give him that. Hopefully that gives him maybe some confidence going into the next games and he can start to get things going. But, yeah, the chances of him hitting 34 again don't look good when you've only got two goals through the first 10 games. Yeah, it's a bit of a lull, but uh, uh, he's he's too talented for it to stay there. Um, there's a lot of things that kind of need to change, once again, in the system that the Ducks play to kind of help him out a little bit more. Um, but someone like that's not going to stay down forever. Will he get you know past 34 from last year? That's going to be tough, I think, at this point, uh, considering you're you know one eighth of the way through the season. So I mean, he's. Uh, He's not quite there, but it's a good start. He got that goal, and it was a very, very nice goal and a hard-working goal, and hopefully sometimes that's all you need, just one to start to go in, and then it just builds. No, I have to agree with that. You got to, as, as Solani would say, right, you, sometimes you got to tap the back of the ketchup bottle for a while, and yeah. then all of a sudden all the goals start <laughs> pouring out. Yeah. Um, Benjamin, a- or I was Benjamin, sorry, McCain asks, or McCann asks, sorry, would you like to see Max Jones with the big club? I would. I mean, F it, why not? bring somebody else up mix things up up here i have no problem with that at all if you're going to send the kids back down in a way might as well bring another guy up and give him a shot um i'd like to see this because i know that uh we talked over the summer he was really really stoked about trying to make the club this year and then had the unfortunate injury come training camp so yeah i'd like to see max jones up there yeah yeah same i i think yeah i don't know where they really fits at this point because now you've kept Maxim Comtois, which looks like for, or you would hope, I guess, now that you burned a year off his entry-level contract, that you would keep him for the foreseeable future. And now you've got Richie back, Hogliano's there on the left side. Unless you bring him up and you want to play him on the fourth line and see how things go, then then maybe. At this point, unless another injury comes up, I would honestly rather keep him in the minors, see how he does. He's playing on a line with Troy Terry. That's going to help him out down there. So I think for now, keep him up there. But, yeah, I would love to see him. I, I would have loved to see him at the start of the season up here. And then he really would have got a chance to prove what he can do. And now, unfortunately, with everybody coming back and Richie signing and getting his visa issues settled, there doesn't seem to be room for him in the top nine, which is unfortunate. But you know, we'll see how things go down the road. Maybe he'll get a chance. Yeah, they've only scored, what, four goals in the last three games. I don't think anything can hurt at this point. So you can maybe give it a shot. But at the same time, I, I'm not holding my breath that he's going to come in and be the savior that, uh, you know, you know, changes our, our whole fortune. So at this point, you could, but you could not. And I think we'd be in the exact same spot one way or the other. No, nah, you're most likely going to see Troy Terry called up if he continues to if play anything, in yeah. the AHL the way he did the yeah. other night. So yeah. he looked very dominant in his last game with the goals. Uh, Gordon Bombay shouted out in chat. He says, everyone keeps talking about the team's system and the team's coaching staff. What about the team's feelings? Right? Aww. They're going to look after their feelings. They're Aww. very, very sad, very somber dressing room. So That's such yeah. a Gordon Bombay question. Like, <laughs> uh, statement, yeah. <laughs> Keith uh, Settles I, I care about it. from Instagram. 
I don't know why we even posted this. It's it's a uh, a really stupid question. Although he's a very nice guy, we met him at the at Honda Center. But he says Chelsea nice. Dagger or Broham. How dare you even talk about Chelsea Dagger in front of me here, man? <laughs> that is like the worst. I hate Chicago um, purely for that uh, song being played in their city. I, I can't stand hearing that. I, I, it drives me nuts because. They're on international TV so many damn times throughout the year. <laughs> you have to hear it. Da, 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 da. Like, ah, it just drives me nuts watching the Blackhawks games, man. I, I hate that song. I, I'll take Broham every day. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not even a fan of that song, honestly. What about that? Uh, I think it's a, a garbage song, uh, Push It, where they go to the um, the chorus, where it's like, this is the noise keeps me awake. Uh, but a girl sings it, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that. Yeah, I think that one would be pretty good after a goal. I thought that would be pretty good. How about just wooing? Patrick loves that. Woo. Oh, yeah. It's woo um, or quack calls. Oh, good God. Yes, yes, Mr. Ducksworth. No. Not doing oh. any of those. No, no. Keep okay, pro sorry. him. Don't mess with it. It's <laughs> not. It's not the most amazing thing ever, but it's it's good enough, and uh, everyone likes it. So we'll just keep. And that. it's ours. It's and ours. it is. It is the ducks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. So Dave Rodriguez, Jason's boy, our vegan friend. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Comtois sticking with the big club and burning his first year? How do you feel it affects the team short term versus long term? So we already answered the first one. How we felt about Comtois sticking up with the big club and how it's going to affect. Let's talk about the short-term effects on this. We have Andre Kasha, Patrick Eves looking to make appearances back into this lineup. Where does that leave come to all when that happens? That that that, that kind of depends because I mean one of the things that Carlisle was saying and even you know to a lesser extent uh, Bob Murray was saying was like, listen, uh, we're we we need to get faster. We get if that means get younger, your spot's not necessarily secured anymore. And uh, Carlisle even said, you know, hey, if you know he's he's far, this is what he says, so quote unquote, he's far more open to. Uh, putting younger players in there if they earn the spot. And I think at this point he has. So I think uh, the more we struggle, the more he'll revert back to his old ways, as you tend to do when you start uh, facing uh, struggles a little bit. And uh, there might be a chance where he's out of it. But um, at this point, he's, he's been given every opportunity, and they're, they're showing that they want him to be here. So it's up to him. Yeah, I mean, in, in the short term, you look at today's game, he was on what the, the Ducks classified as the fourth line playing with Steele and Sherwood. I guess I wouldn't necessarily say it's the fourth line considering Henrique got anchored with Aubergine Street. But, um, yeah, I mean, now that everybody's back, I would think he's still right now even, you know, so let's look at the team when everybody comes back. So you've got Raquel, Getzlaff, and Richie. Raquel's been pushed over to the right side. I would assume when Eves... Silverberg and Kasher come back. Raquel goes back to the left. So then you've got on the left, you've got Raquel, Richie, Cogliano. On the right, you've got Kasha, Steel, uh, Kasha, Silverberg, and Eves. And then Comtois on the fourth line. You would think, right? Unless they want to put Richie down there if he's not performing, or Cogliano down there, and you know it would be a better fourth line. You would you would assume if Steele is still going to be the fourth line center on this team, which he probably will be, and then Kiefer Sherwood would be the fourth line right wing, uh, or Auberg or Street or whoever they want to go. I would rather have Kiefer Sherwood down there. So, does that kid line stick together forever? That kind of seems to be the way it's trending too. Or maybe they put Comtois back with Henrik and Silverberg when everybody's healthy. I, I don't know. I, I don't know right now if it's the best decision or not. Um, it all depends on how many minutes he's played, because I think when everybody's back, it's going to be hard to say, yeah, we're going to play this kid in front of you 
you know, you've been injured all season in Cash's case, or Silverberg, who was playing really well when he got uh, was out, and Eves has been gone all year. Like, I don't think you can tell those guys and be like, hey, yeah, this kid's going to play in front of you. And and maybe the same goes uh, at least for Raquel on the left side, and you would think Cogliano, just because of seniority, which is a stupid reason to not play Comtois over him, but he might not get in there. So it's tough. If Comtois doesn't play enough minutes, I would have rather seen him get sent down despite how well he played. I think he still might. When everyone's back, they're probably going to send him back, I would assume. I, I don't see him sticking yeah. around up there. You know Lindstrom's going to get sent back too. So those two guys will probably be off the roster here pretty quickly. I don't I don't think that they really had a choice in whether or not they, they were going to keep Comtois up for the 10th game. They're too injured. And what are they, I, I don't think that uh, keeping him up was a bad idea, honestly. It's, I mean, big deal. He's going to, like you said, he's going to go run amok in the queue, play in World Juniors and light it up and then go to the AHL or or maybe just stay in the queue again, right? So, yeah. I mean, the year's going to get burned off anyway. I, I don't see the problem though whatsoever. Um, but I, I could just really see once everyone's healthy, they're, like, they're not going to let the kids play in front of these guys. There's just no way. Especially not a guy like Silverberg who's been lighting it up and wants to get uh, either a new contract or ship the hell out of here. He's going to have a career year. Yeah. yeah. And both those guys on the right side and Cash and Eves have not played at all this year. And they're going to want to get in, and the, the, at least you would assume Randy Carlisle and the coaching staff is going to want to give them every opportunity to succeed. That right side is is it's easy to predict that it's going to be Silverberg, Kasha, and Eves when they're healthy, and then eventually down the road Corey Perry is going to get in there as well, and then maybe oh. Silverberg can move to the left side. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's tough. I mean, uh, who brought that up? I think Daniel Jacobson brought it up in our YouTube chat. Carter Rowney still possibly a guy that's going to be in the lineup as well for fourth line. So once everybody comes back, you could start seeing the likes of Kiefer Sherwood and Sam Steele maybe getting sent down to San Diego. And then that team starts to look really good as we kind of thought they would at the beginning of the season before all the injuries happen. So I don't know. And, and there's still the chance they could send Comtois back down. Obviously it's not the best idea now that you've burned the year off his entry level contract, but they still have that option. Obviously it sucks when you do, you can't call him back up, but I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them. There's still a chance they could do that because uh, you, you look at the guys that they're going to be in this lineup and Brian Gibbons, Carter Brownie, Auberg, uh, Ben Street. Those are guys that might end up playing more time over Comtois if they still have the option to send him back to junior, which they still do. Bay Bolts in our chat says, I'm going to repeat this real quick. Did you guys hear that if we play the kids for 11 games, then we will either ex- we will have to either expose them or protect them for the Seattle expansion? I didn't hear that. I don't. No, I don't think that's the case. I because the expansion is, if the expansion is in 2020, like they're projecting it to be, Comtois would still be ineligible because he would still be on his entry level contract, I believe. So I don't think that I'm like again, I'm not 100 sure, but I'm pretty sure from what I've looked at that Comtois and Lindstrom especially are ineligible for that expansion draft no matter what. I don't. Oh, they said it on the radio broadcast. Apparently, yeah. I'm thinking if they, play, <laughs> but I'm thinking yeah, if they play two seasons off of their contract, even if it's the entry level, I think that they're they're eligible or they have to be protected. Now that being said, in my opinion, the Ducks are going to have far more available people, so I'm not too worried about some of those guys going uh, than I am, you know, somebody who's you know actually on the roster has played. They might probably go that way unless it's a unless someone's really wowed them and they're still on their entry level contract but uh you know i doubt it 
But I think the Ducks are still stuck with a lot of covering, you know, the, the Kesslers and the Getzlaufs and the Perrys unless we start seeing retirements happen. Uh, yes, and Shock asked if I just dissed Pennywise. Not my favorite band. They're okay. That's how I feel about that damn song. Um, I've, I've, I've heard better. They're okay. Uh, Chase right. <laughs> asked us, uh, what are the problems or are the problems of this team, the coaching, the leadership, or is it both? You have to say both. To me, it's it's coaching is, is part of your leadership group. And uh, if you let your guys run amok, you let your guys run amok. I, I would say it's both. Well, you're saying the coaches are the leaders? That's where it and therefore, and all, oh, okay, like the so culture of this, of this so team is going to start coaching. with leadership. Yeah. I mean, look at how much like Toronto had impact on his players. You can't have a damn beard until Lamorello was gone, right? There was a certain expectation set upon the players. You act a certain way. You play a certain way. But you way. hated that. I'm not saying I love it. Uh, what I'm saying is that it's like, like the, the effects of management are clearly visible on teams. And so I feel like Carlisle likes that type of hockey. Bob Murray's an old school guy, likes that type of hockey. So it, it starts at the top. Um, I, I, it, it's got to go from coaching to leadership, I feel like. Now, but that leadership, as he, I, I'm guessing Chase is uh, talking about leadership from the players. Right. He's probably like talking Getzloff. Get, look at those guys are. I mean, Kessler and when Perry's healthy are two of the nastiest guys you ever want to play against. They're kind of yeah. dirty. On the, on, they lean on that side. They take they take ridiculous penalties. There's, you know, Perry especially will stick stick a, a chicken wing out or whatever and try to catch somebody. Um, it's just his style. He rides the line, and he's taken a beating for it too. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I think this um, the type of play, when it's not ultra-physical taking dumb penalties, I don't know if you could blame it on the leadership of this team. It's more the makeup of the team. When they're when they're doing outlandish crap and taking dumb penalties all over the yeah. ice, then you got to start with the leadership there. But as for their Kessler play, didn't have the A today as well. Somebody pointed that out to me. Is that Manson? I, who I had did, it? Did, do you have it again? Yeah, I, I would it be Manson and Fowler then? Maybe. Fowler, thank you. I'll well, go back and look. I don't know I if that does that mean anything. I like I didn't. Oh, really? I haven't even looked into it. But I mean. I don't, I don't think it really means anything, but why would they feel the need to do that? I I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's more so on the coaching because that's just the way I've been leaning all season. Um, obviously, some of it, I guess, falls on leadership, but when you're playing a system like this, well, what's Ryan Getzlaff supposed to do? Somehow lead this team to be better than the system they're playing in and lead them through all these injuries? I mean, there's not much he can really... I mean, he hasn't been great, yeah, sure, but he can't do it himself. He's not Connor McDavid. He's not going to be able to pull this team out of the mud himself and do everything so i think it's more coaching yeah sure leadership if you're looking at a management level and you're looking at down that way yeah i I could agree with that but i don't think it should fall fully or even if any on the the leadership when you're looking at the players yeah you got you got gibson in that you got lindholm and you got getzloff and i don't think any three of those guys have had a horrible season where you're going well they're just not even engaged. They're not even trying. I think all those guys are trying. They're doing the best they can. I think it's the system, and that comes from uh, you know the coaching staff. And I, I feel that they're, if anything, if they're getting frustrated, like you see with Getzloff, it's they're frustrated that they're not winning. They can't seem to win, and they're being outshot horrifically. And it's it's not from a lack of of effort or them not wanting to do it. I feel they're following this strategy because this is what they've been told to do, and it's a dumb strategy. I mean, between the, the lines that he's setting up on defense and how he's he's making them defend or try and create offense, it just it's just not working for this team. So I, I don't feel in any way it's really the players that don't want to do well. I feel it's the the, the coaching, the way that um, they're making them play. 
or the makeup of the team. We all talked about it. The roster's full of older guys who are making a ton of money. Just kind of the yeah. the window they're stuck in right now, and it's not the one that's leading to the Stanley Cup, unfortunately, as, it's, as it settles right now. But uh, and a couple other questions here. I don't even know how to pronounce this one. A-R-D-Z-O-H-T. Uh, the question? There you go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he said, uh, do you see the Richie gets off for Caroline staying? Answer for me is no. I see Patrick Eves taking that slot away from Nick Richie as soon as he's healthy. Yeah, that, I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say you could see it for now until Eves comes back. But I think, I mean, the reason Eves was brought in primarily was maybe not in the first place, but was to play with Ryan Getzloff because of their chemistry. And I don't see that not happening when he comes back. I could easily see them going back to Raquel, Getzlaff's and Eves and just hoping that that is the cure for Raquel and for Getzlaff to get things going. And maybe Patrick Eves can can he can spark him and I don't even know how healthy and how good he's going to be, but I would assume that's what they're going to go to. Uh, yeah. I can't, can't, you know, change up and go back to the old ways on defense, huh? Jesus. Dude, sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, then I think they'll do that. And then I think, yeah, Silverberg comes back uh, when that happens. I think you might see uh, uh Cogliano Kessler line reunite as well, depending on where they're at. I'm not saying it's great. Oh I'm saying God. that's a possibility. Will. We probably point. will. We probably yeah. will. So Don John 96 asked, do you guys think Gibson gave up the second goal because he thought there was goalie interference? No, don't I mean, do he got, that. he got Goalies clipped don't do that. and he was just beat on a really, really good uh, slap pass. Like we said earlier. And then uh, we, yeah. we're down to two questions, guys. I, I, we're almost at the hour or we're at an hour now. So uh, <laughs> we're all about to turn into pumpkins like Disney princesses. Um, Chris Hurt says, how do I stop my sports rage from affecting my family life? Um, I don't know how to tell um, you, man. I don't watch. I do. don't, just don't watch. I do. Yeah. Well, no, no, that's not it. Are that's, you going to say alcohol? Stu- no, no, no. It's a stupid thing to not watch sports. Just get a different family or no family. That's just the easy buy. thing to do. That's, that's the, the easiest, easiest thing. thing. I, that's go. what I would do. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly Jason is, uh, we'll the leave that on that morbid that note. Best to on that one. <laughs> uh, we have one last question here on Facebook from Sharon Estremo. She says, why, oh, why are we so disjointed? We are not playing as a team. We are so much better than this. The guns can't do this all alone. Um, I'm not sure if she meant guns there, but maybe she's talking Gib- about like Gibby? I think it meant Gibson. Yeah. Gibson. Gibson, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Can't uh, he can't do it alone? We know that for sure. I agree with her 100. percent They do look disjointed. The passes are terrible. The breakouts terrible. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't want to end this on this ultra negative note, but that I means she kind of just. Those are my thoughts too. Very disjointed team. Yeah, I mean the way you can kind of spin that in a positive is that we all know they can do better. Their their execution level is just horrific at this point and there there's no there's there's no flow to it there's nothing that we we got we saw glimpses of glimpses of towards the end of last season which gave us all hope going into the playoffs uh it's yeah it's just very you know the passes are, are bad they're either they're, you know in the, the feet of somebody they're not made at all they're in the defensive zone for so long that they literally just throw it out to the middle just to get some relief but then they come right back in and start uh going to town again so the the silver lining in there is that we all know that isn't the way we have to play. We can play better. We just got to get there. And uh, once again, I'm beating a dead horse here, but I feel the, the the system has to change a little bit and the execution has to be much better than it has been. Oh, no, 100%. But uh, 
That'll be our show tonight. I got to get to a couple things here really quickly, though. We got to talk about our Patreon. Uh, we were able to complete three of our four bonus shows, so that's beautiful. Uh-huh. Did our Pucks and Brews, which is the bonus show that went up where we had a few beers, talked some hockey or from around the league. And amongst other things, we asked a Canadian some stuff, that being Eddie. Uh, we did our top 10 where we ranked um, all-time Ducks players. So that was very cool. Oh. And that show is coming up this week as well. We have a Q&A show we're going to do probably this uh, this weekend. I'm in Colorado for a hockey tournament for my kids, so maybe early next week during the week. We'll find a day and time to figure it out. I'll bring my stuff with me, guys. So in case we have to figure that out when I'm in Colorado, I'll uh, post up in the hotel room there. But uh, moving on here, that's our Patreon. If you haven't been able to uh, to join in or you didn't know about it, maybe go ahead and hop on there. It helps us out, but it helps us help you out. We, we want to give away a bunch of cool stuff. We gave away a Kessler bobblehead doll, uh, Ducks tickets uh, to Korea night. And uh, we paid someone's bill, as Jason, much to his chagrin, had to had to pay. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy had to pay 100 bucks of his bill at a watch party. But that's all stuff we want to put the money back towards. Plus, we give you guys bonus content. Um, and those pucks are being ordered. Those of you who are in the $10 tier Patreon, uh, those are being ordered here this week. So you should be getting them early November. Uh, and those pucks are Even so those awesome. that are living around the world will be getting them. I think we're shipping one to Australia, Australia. and Australia. one to England. Or some part of Europe is getting one as well. I'll have to go back and check it out. So go to our Patreon, a few different tiers. Anything helps us. We, we appreciate it. It just covers our cost, too, between um, Spreaker and setting up any sort of equipment. We got a new switchboard. Uh, we we're all trying to figure this out with the uh, YouTube stream. Maybe get some better cameras here, too, because some of these are a little blurry so at some point. But yeah, we're mine's making me out. look fat. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know if you can help that. Uh, <laughs> we're all on the same boat except for Eddie. But uh, anyways, <laughs> biggest shout-out here goes to Cool Hockey. If you guys want a really cool hockey jersey, that's not one of the ones that uh, I have purchased from China in the past, and you get the wacky colors. <laughs> Maybe the, you know, like I got a Korea jersey. It had, like, red writing on it, and it was, like, purple or it, was, it just it, it was no there was no egg or there was like yeah, no teal on it it was just all purple everywhere not a good looking jersey but if you have the opportunity to buy one for yourself or for a loved one or a friend go to cool hockey and uh, check them out coolhockey.com use our promo code fm20 to get 20 percent off your order of your jersey and then you can try to win one too they also sponsor that on our show eddie is so kind to take the 50 or 60 entries every single Ducks game and develop the points in the standings to see who wins the free jersey <laughs> at the end of every month. He's been totaling those up. So if you haven't already played, maybe if you're super lucky and you hit these last few Ducks games before the end of October, you might have a chance to win the jersey for this month. Um, and it yes, feels that, like... No, no, I was going to say, that does include the new alternate jersey that is out. Um, limited sizes right now, but they'll eventually get you the one that you'll want if, for, if you're looking for that one. So the winner of October here will be announced soon. And uh, that's all I've got, guys. You guys got anything else you want to add? Well, we sure we want to add more people onto that uh, FM3 stars because Eddie Eddie looked really, really sad when you were promoting it just now. <laughs> it's like 60 or 70 <laughs> it's like, people. I have to do so much. No more, please. <laughs> oh, no. We lost Eddie. Oh, Can we you? lost Eddie's audio. What happened, Eddie? Audio. You can hear us, but we can't. There we go. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So for t- today was ridiculous because we had – uh, Wednesdays, Friday, uh, sun, Saturday and Sundays. So I was, I think I started at like 2 p.m. and I finished at like 5 o'clock because I was going through <laughs> and like changing everybody and then I had to like reorganize everybody. So it, it was nuts. Now it'll be good. It's all back. I'll have tomorrow's updated uh, or today's updated for tomorrow. Uh, right now, Ricky Bradley's leading again. 
Former winner, if you don't know, he's he's leading with nine points uh, ahead of the. Uh, I think her Twitter name is the well, NWT. We met about the watch party, right? Second. He wore his Raquel jersey. Yeah, he wore the jersey he won, and now he might uh, actually win another one with a couple games left. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. It, it, there's still plenty of time. I mean, you could have a perfect night and jump up from if you're in second and listening to this right now. If you're down it, with six or even five points, uh, a couple good nights and you jump right back up into the mix of it. So. Uh, but get going soon because I think there's only a few games left this month. I think three or four games, and then uh, October is done. You got to get ultra lucky to get the win there. But that's it for us, guys. You know where to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Forever Mighty. Also, check out our Patreon, which is uh, Puck Guys Forever Mighty. Patreon.com slash Puck Guys Forever Mighty. So check us out there if you want to join that. And uh, also, YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. You can go ahead and uh, subscribe. Eddie was cool enough to set up all the video for that. So I'll have to go back and look at how dumb we all looked here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, if any of you guys tuned into that, we appreciate it. You can go back and find it if you actually feel like looking at us. Uh, we wanted to provide another platform for you. I know some people said at work that it was easier for them to hide their fa- their uh, internet browser and not let anyone see that they were listening or watching them. They put, so he- put like one headphone in. I know that was talked about from last season. So mm-hmm. it made it easier for people who, who have to work and listen to YouTube that way rather than be on their phone because phones are a no-no, but the computer uh, is yeah. okay. So YouTube's other format. If you don't want to see us, you can just you know minimize and listen to our show there. But anyways, guys, we're running a little long. We'll talk to you guys uh, Thursday. I'll be out. It's just Jason and Eddie covering the show there. So look forward Woo-hoo. to seeing those two mugs. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys.